options are a dangerous tool in stock trading because yes, you can lose money, but more so because they can disrupt the psychology of someone who is going to be financially successful. A stock options contract is representative of 100 shares, which means that you can make a lot more money with an options contract that costs $200 than you could off of a single share of a stock that costs $200. But because of the derivative nature, you could also get yourself in a lot of trouble. And because of the derivative nature, a stock options contract doesn't move one-to-one -one with a stock price. It can move more than that or it can move less than that. The basic options contracts are puts and calls. Purchasing a call option means that you expect the value of a stock to go up. And if the value of that stock goes up, the value of the call option goes up. You call someone up to the front of the class. A put contract benefits from a stock price going down. And so they can be used to short a stock or bet that it's going to lose value. The value of the put contract will go up as a stock loses value. You want to put the glass down. There are many, many different ways to make money with options. It isn't all about just a straight bet about something going up or down. You can make bets on a time frame. You can make bets on a, uh, a stock existing within a certain channel of value, say fluctuating $10 between $200 and $210. There are also many ways to hedge your options contracts for different outcomes that the uh, price action of a stock might have. The next basic aspect of understanding stock options is understanding their pricing. The buy or sell price is determined by what's known as a bid-ask spread. And the value of a given options contract at any given moment is determined by several different factors known as derivatives or Greeks. The way I remember which is which, the bid and the ask, is you ask to buy and you bid to sell. Now this is where people you shouldn't be trading options with like Robinhood make their money on this spread. A company like Robinhood will typically only show you an options price, but that's not exactly how pricing works. It's a, a negotiation. Think about a car dealer. The car dealership has to buy cars for less than they sell them for in order for them to ultimately be profitable. Of course, you see nowadays government incentives and rebates that at times subsidize selling cars for less than they're actually worth. But in a true free market, anyone who's selling product has to get it for cheaper than that price and the wholesale price versus the retail price. So at a car company, when you go and negotiate to purchase a new car, you're typically going to to argue and, and talk the price down, but you wouldn't expect a dealer to sell you a car for less than they purchased the car for. You'd feel you got a fair price if you got close to that number, but then also allow the dealer to make a little bit of money on that transaction. That's what the bid ask spread is. And what you want to do is, is in order to get a, a fair options price, you want to to purchase right in the middle. So if, so say if the bid for an option is $2 and the ask is $4, your goal would be to get that options contract for $3 right down the middle. Now, when you're purchasing an option, you're not actually, unless you're a floor trader, you're not actually talking to an individual and saying, please, can you just give me this deal? I know you can afford it. No, what you're doing is you're competing with other options, buyers and sellers for a particular contract. That is why when purchasing or selling options, you want to 
pick high liquidity contracts. And you can see that on an options board, like on Thinkorswim or Tastyworks or any good options trading software. You'll see the volume of people trading a particular contract. So say uh, there's a stock that costs $200 and a, uh, an options uh, call contract with a strike price of $210, you might see 10,000 people competing for those contracts. If you go up to the call contract of $250, you might see five people competing for that contract. And that $250 with five people competing for that contract is not going to get you a good mid-strike price that you would pay. So you would be able to get a more competitive price. You would be able to get that middle price between the bid and the ask spread where there are 10,000 other people competing and negotiating to purchase the contract at $210. This is where Robinhood makes a lot of their money. And depending on how big or how an expensive an option contract is or how many contracts you have, this is where you can actually make money as long as you get competitive prices. There, there is value in that. The next, the next piece is the Greeks, the derivatives. So an option contract isn't just, uh, it doesn't have a straight value. Its market value is determined by theta, gamma, delta, vega, and rho. Delta is kind of like your, your principal Greek uh, because its value is is affected by the other derivatives but it's basically the rate of change between an options price and a dollar move of the underlying stock right with with all other things being zero an option contract uh at 200 for a 200 dollars stock if the 200 dollars stock goes up one dollar and that contract is a call contract a call option would mean that there were uh, that the options contract would gain a hundred dollars in value. Remember, an option is worth one hundred shares of an underlying stock. So, at two hundred, the relationship would be one to one. However, depending on the other Greeks, which are basically the other uh, factors at play within the world, determining the value of a said stock and how far away you get from the price or the correlation of the actual stock price and your contract price, that rate of change is, is affected. So delta does not always stay one-to-one. -one. As you get closer, if, for instance, you think that a stock is going to increase in value and that stock costs $200, and you'd buy a $250 options contract. You will be getting less than a one-to-one -one change in your value compared to the underlying stock because that $250 was cheaper than the $200 because the stock price doesn't have a very high likelihood of reaching $250, whereas the stock, uh, the stock might have a very high likelihood of, of fluctuating $3, you know, over a couple of days. So, so a $203 strike price would have much more value. Now, if the stock goes on a run and starts working its way towards 250, then as it gets closer, the Delta will increase getting closer to let's say 100, a dollar per share. Now, if it goes beyond that $250 strike and it enters into 260 and you're still holding that $250 call contract, your delta will actually go above one-to-one -one and you'll make more than $100 per, per dollar move of the underlying strike price. The delta plays a huge factor in, in choosing 
which options you buy because options contracts that have closer to a one-to-one -one relationship cost more. Options contracts that have a low likelihood of actually getting into that one-to-one -one relationship or of the stock price actually meeting that number are cheaper because there's a lower probability of, of the contract becoming really valuable. The next Greek is theta. Theta is the time component. If you buy an options contract that is for, uh, let's say, a year, right? Because the options contracts don't live forever like a stock. They have a, a time component. You can buy them for a couple of days before they expire, a couple of weeks, a couple of months, and a couple of years. The more time you give yourself, the more expensive they are, right? So if you purchase a contract for $250 on a $200 stock and it's a three-day contract, that stock has a very low likelihood of reaching $250 within three days. And so this, the options contract will be cheap. In fact, some contracts that are really far out of the money, as they call it, they call tinies because they only cost a couple of bucks. And if there happened to be a huge move in that time frame, then there could be some huge, uh, huge profits. However, there's also not a lot of risk to how much you'd lose spending $10 on a contract. As each day goes by, the contract loses value, which is displayed by the theta number in a derivative, which is the rate of, uh, of decay. So if you have $3 theta decay, that means that within that 24-hour period, that options contract is going to lose $3 of its intrinsic value just because of time, just because probability of things working out has uh, decreased, has diminished. When you're selling contracts, theta can be one of the principal ways to make money. And one of my favorite things to do is sell calls and puts. However, you want to be careful if you're buying options contracts that you don't uh, create a theta situation where even though you actually got the movement you wanted on the stock price, you didn't make any money because the contract had lost so much value because theta got so big. And like I said, each day that goes by increases theta. Theta might be 25 cents on a, a year out options contract, but at a week it might be losing $30 a day. Vega is volatility. And volatility is something that a good trader understands very well, but someone who's just buying a stock or an option as a shot in the dark will have a real hard time with. Because volatility is the risk associated with an underlying stock. And if the whole stock market's crashing, for instance, then all stocks are going to have high volatility. The VIX will be up and Vega will be relatively high on all options contracts. The Vega is important because you don't want to buy calls or puts when Vega is high. And you don't want to sell calls or puts when Vega is low. Vega is low when there isn't much chance of anything bad happening with a stock, with, a comp with the company that represents the stock, really. And Vega is high when something bad happens that suddenly causes uh, a drastic move, usually to the downside for a company and its stock. A company like Walmart is often going to have a low Vega on their options because they just continue to sell toilet paper and cheap clothes and there isn't a lot of risk of Walmart going out of business anytime soon. Whereas the Vega on Tesla can go way up when the SEC starts policing Elon Musk and threatening to find him or let's say that... Uh, all of a sudden, there were no more minerals to make batteries for electric cars. That would bring the Vega up on electric car makers. Generally speaking, a savvy options trader is going to want to sell calls and puts when Vega is high, when volatility is high, because that will allow them, 
when things stabilize if they're correct on their assumptions. Because if they are correct on their assumptions, that will allow the price to rapidly go in the trader's favor when things stabilize and Vega contracts. And one would want to buy calls and puts when Vega is low because if they are right on their assumption and something dramatic happens in the world or with the company of the underlying stock, that will allow the price of the option to go way up. Thanks to Vega increasing along with the other derivatives. If, for instance, you buy a call contract when Vega is high and the stock price moves up, which is what you would want with a call. However, the company or the, the power, the different factors that be stabilize and volatility comes down, especially if it's a short-term contract where you also have theta acting against you, you may find that even though you were directionally right, you didn't make any money. And that's a very common mistake in a choppy market that people new to options who don't understand them or are using a poor interface make. The opposite can also hold true where you're directionally wrong, but because you got such a good uh, price on your stock with low or high Vega, depending on what you wanted, and um, your bid and your ask spread was uh, you got the mid price perfectly. Remember that competition of people trying to get a fair price and the metaphor of the car dealer needing to sell vehicles to customers for less than he bought them for, you could actually be directionally wrong and still make money. Gamma is the last one that's relevant to this conversation. I want, to, I want this conversation to be very practical. Um, and gamma is the probability of the stability of delta's rate of change, right? So delta is that relationship of price change to the underlying stock price moving $1. And as I mentioned just now, there are a whole bunch of factors that can kind of can kind of change that potential value. And a low gamma says that this delta, this amount of, of money that I will make per, per underlying move of the stock price is, is uh, pretty set. There's a low probability of it getting changed on me. And a high gamma means that that delta could easily fluctuate. As you would imagine, things like time and volatility certainly affect that. Okay, now that we've covered the Greeks, I want to start talking about actual risk. Options themselves are riskier than stock because when you buy a share of a stock, you can hold it indefinitely. It doesn't lose value on a certain date. The only way it loses value is if a company completely fails. With an options contract, I mentioned it has an expiration date. And whenever it expires, it turns into nothing. It's completely worthless. So... Right there, you're talking more risk than regular stocks. People just learning hope that buying can be less risky than selling an options contract. But that's wishful thinking, and really there's more nuance to... Uh, understanding how to manage risk with options. And it's not that simple. Um, neither one is, is more or less risky. Selling an options contract, whether it's a put or a call, has a higher probability of working out in your favor. However, you carry more risk in selling a put or a call. Selling an options contract has a higher probability, aka less risk, of working out throughout the life of the contract. It has higher risk in that you have more financial liability per
per contract than you do in buying an options contract. If you buy an options contract, your liability is the cost of the contract and no more. So it has less risk, but it also has less probability, or pardon me, uh, so it has less risk, but also less probability of playing out in your favor. The reason for that is the theta decay to component. Like I talked about earlier, as you get closer to an expiration date, your options contract loses value. Most people don't even realize that you can sell a call or a put, but you can. And when you sell a call or a put, you want it to expire worthless such that nobody wants to force you to buy it back. Nobody wants to return it. Nobody wants anything to do with it. The thing about selling a call or a put, though, you remember, is it is a... Uh, it's a contract on 100 shares of a stock to go up or go down. If the stock goes in your face against what your bet was, at some point, let's say that you sell a put. And you'll need to go back and reference all this, but to get our directions straight, if you want to get long on a stock, meaning you think their value is going to go up, you want to buy a call or sell a put. Directionally, they're the same thing. If you want to get short, meaning you're betting on a stock going down, you want to sell a call or buy a put options contract. If you sell a put, that means you want to get long the stock and you expect it's, it's the stock's value to go up. As the stock's value goes up and you get further away from the strike price and your delta diminishes, no one has any interest in owning that put contract because it has less and less probability of actually becoming a profitable position. However, if you sell a put and then a stock goes down in price, let's say the stock goes, you, you sold a $200 put and the stock goes down to $150 per share from 200 that put all of a sudden becomes worth a lot of money. Way more than you sold it for. And that means whoever bought it has the right to what's called a sign that contract back to you and force you to buy it. When he forces you to buy it, you're on the hook for the difference in the stock price. So that would be, you know, globally speaking, that would be $50 over 100 shares. I think that's or $5,000. Now at that point, you have the right to either pay the difference and get rid of the contract, or you can buy all of the stock for that bad price. That's a common thing to do that people with large accounts like to do. Let's say there's a stock that they know they want. Uh, they know they want to own Google for 10 years. They will sell a put on the options contract and hoping that the price goes up during the life of the contract so they can just collect some cash. But knowing that if it goes backwards and they get assigned the contract, that they're fine buying the, the stock back for a temporarily inflated price because they believe down the road it'll become profitable. <coughs> Someone with a large account is wealthy enough to be able to afford all of that. Whereas, you know, let's say that uh, Google costs $3,000 a share and you want to buy 100 shares at $3,000, you're talking $300,000. That's more than a lot of people have to their name. So if you're using a small account with, let's say, just $5,000, you can't afford to buy that stock, which means you're just going to take the whole hit. 
That's where margin comes in and gets a lot of people in trouble in options trading. When you sell a call or a put, your account, your broker, will cause you to use a certain amount of your margin depending on the price of the underlying stock and the price of the option. So usually it's uh, like a couple thousand dollars. It's a few thousand dollars. On an expensive stock, it might be fifteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000. And that part of your account temporarily gets frozen until the transaction's over, until you close out or buy back that options contract and throw it away. Typically what someone does instead of letting an options contract expire on the last day, it's decayed so much it might, it, you might have sold it for $500 and maybe it's worth $10. And so you have $490 in profits and you just buy it back so that that way if there's a catastrophe the next day and the whole stock market crashes, you, you still get 99% of your profits. So up until you close that position, you're not going to have much, uh, much money available in a small account. This is why a lot of people with small accounts only buy calls and puts. But the problem with that is that strategically they're sabotaging themselves because of the vega or the volatility factor I was talking about. If you're buying in choppy conditions, you're not getting a lot of value for your position. Whereas if you are buying in calm conditions and then something happens, let's say uh, you buy a put after a five-day run of a stock and everything's going great in the world, there's no COVID, the stock market is strong, the company's fundamentals are strong, that's going to make the, the price of, of the options on that stock very cheap. And so it would make sense to buy puts to hedge yourself against a day where it sells down a little bit. When it sells down, the volatility is going to go up and that's going to spike the value of the price, the value of the options contract. And so you'll make a lot of money quickly. If on the other hand, the market's having down days and that, that stock has had four down days in a row and then all of a sudden things stabilize and you've been buying calls to hedge against that, what may happen is that purchased call a couple of days of, uh, on, after a couple of days of the stock going up and increasing in value, which would have been directionally right, right? Because buying a call or selling a put is getting long the stock. You might not make any money because of the contraction of Vega along with Theta, the time component. Complicated enough yet for you? Therefore, probability-wise, it makes the most sense to buy short options after period or during periods of relative calmness and to sell long options during periods of relative volatility by selling an option that has an inflated value when things calm down all of a sudden it's going to become worth a lot less as that vega drops and the theta decay happens What might be a, a, a move that takes a week normally, you might accomplish in a day and be able to close the contract for a significant profit. Now, what most options traders do is they do not buy what you would call naked calls and puts or sell naked calls and puts. Most traders use combinations of options contracts on the same expirations at different, strike pro, uh, at different strike prices to hedge relatively against their own positions. For instance, 
Back when Costco cost about $160 a share, I decided that Costco had a lot of value in it and was going to be strong over the next couple of years, that it had a high probability of consistent growth. So what I did was I took a risk. I would sell a put making me long at a, uh, a strike price about 30 deltas away from what the actual stock price was, which would net me a couple of hundred dollars. And then I would buy a cheaper, further away put, which would cap my total loss potential at $500. So the most money I could lose if the thing went in my face, because while the position that I had sold, which was worth more than the position that I had bought, while that thing might be going in my face, I would be profiting with a $500 differential off of my long put, the put that I had purchased, giving me an overall short position on the stock, that put. And that's called a vertical spread. And the vertical spread of buying and selling a combination of puts gave me a net long position. That net long position I would have uh, for, I would, I would, uh, the combination would net me, I would sell the combination of those for between 75 and $100. And I might sell, let's say three contracts. So I, I might uh, sell, I might get $200 and I might eat up about $1,500 in my margin. However, if I were to just sell one naked put, I would probably be eating up uh, $8,000 of my margin, which was actually more than more money than I had in my account quite often back then. And then I wouldn't be able to lower my risk at all by getting different positions on different stocks in case my bets on Costco were wrong. I would, I would net sell one of these long put positions with about 30 to 45 days left on a contract until expiration. And around that time, theta decay starts getting pretty strong. I might be making $15 a day just on the, the, total position losing its value. And because I had sold it, I wanted the thing to expire or get as cheap as it possibly could. I already had the money. I just wanted to close out the position without any potential for someone to make me buy it back at a bad price. After about seven to 10 days, I would have lost about 70% of the value that I've sold in the first place which meant I'd profited on 70% of my position. So for every $100, I would be making about $70. And then at that point, I would close and I would reopen a position about 45 days out. That seven comes back uh, into the conversation because I had about a 70% chance of, uh, of the thing going in my favor over time, historically, with Costco. So if I just kept selling that same net put position and did it over and over for three years, I would 70% of the time make money, uh, make my profit target, actually, specifically. What that did was that would take me several months to make $500, but I would just keep doing it. And so a couple of times a year, I would take a hit where I would lose $500. And a lot of times that, that would scare people, but you have to play out probabilities when trading, especially with options. So I would lose the $500 and I wouldn't even blink. I would put the position right back on and keep going and just make the money back. The difference with that, and uh, like I had mentioned, if I had just sold a naked put over and over, is many, many a, a pretty good trader has tanked their account on a catastrophic day where they just got caught and in fact the loss exceeded what their margin was and blew up their account, meaning they lost all the money in their account over one naked position.
in order to make it as a trader, you can't blow up your account. Trading's a game, especially options trading. In fact, options trading is a zero-sum game, unlike the plain stock market, meaning that these exchanges, there's nothing, there's nothing that just goes out the window. Uh, the options value is exchanged between a buyer and a seller one-to-one. Very similar to chess. So I liked the probability of being able to trade indefinitely versus gambling and basically throwing all my chips down on one trade and hoping that it worked. Even if it would pay me big, I had to be okay with, you know, making 75, 100, $200, depending on how many positions I had a day. And eventually that got to like $300 as a goal. And, you know, you just go from there, depending on how you're trading and why you're trading. Another thing that I would do is I would sell net vertical spreads on the same expiration date on the same stock, one side, one vertical spread being with puts, meaning I was long, and the other side being with calls, meaning that I was net short. I would sell a call closer to the stock price, and then I would buy a call a little, a few more deltas out that capped me at let's say $500 in total loss. So I had, I had, when I would sell both positions, I would actually have double the money I would have from, for instance, just selling that put spread like I would on Costco. This is called an iron condor. And it is probably your, uh, your most effective theta trade. And what that means is I would sell iron condors on stocks like Tesla for a couple of years when it was operating between $150 and $300 channel. Pretty much every time earnings came out, their numbers would be bad and it would sell off 70, 80, 90, $100 and then it would work its way back up. And this would happen over and over over the course of a couple of months. And so what I would do is I would, when it would sell down, I would sell my put spread and as it worked its way back up for a day or so and just got a little bit of space, I would sell my call spread. Let's say the put spread might uh, be capped at $150 and the call spread might be at $250. And over the next, and this would be a 30 to 45 day contract, over the next seven to 10, maybe even 15 days, that, that option uh, combination the price of Tesla would, would wiggle back and forth between, let's say, $170 and $230. And as my, uh, as my call spread got hurt in value, when the price went up, I made more money with my put spread. And what I would create is what's called a neutral delta, meaning that my gain in dollars, that ratio for my 100 shares, depending on if the stock went up or down, as long as it stayed within that channel that the, was between the different values of my stock options, there would actually be a neutral delta. It wouldn't change. I wouldn't be making any money on the movement of the price action. I would be making money on the large call and the large put contract that I had sold as, it, as they lost their value. I would do the same thing with collecting at 70% of my profits and I would close out all four positions, two vertical spreads, and then put it down again. And then when I felt news was coming, it was going to make the stock go further up or down, I would remove one side of the iron condor and I would then have a vertical spread. This also reduced my total risk further. For instance, on some stocks, my total margin, the amount that I would be using would be like $300. And so you could have a lot of iron condors and a lot of vertical spreads in a $5,000 account versus just one single bet. Depending on a probability, like a, a stock hadn't proven that it was going to break out of a channel, but I thought it would, you can also adjust the positions of where your contracts are sold and have like a long delta, even though it's an iron condor. So a long delta means that you would actually benefit a little bit up until 
the price went too high, you could benefit from the price going up because of the, the relative positions of your options contracts. And a good broker provides software that lets you work out all of these things uh, like in real time um, without you having to do a bunch of arithmetic yourself. These sold positions, which you could also call short positions, but that gets confusing because when we're talking about direction, we're talking about long and short. So these, these sold options contracts were a great way for me to consistently make money, especially when the market wasn't sure what it was doing. I would just be collecting on things losing value. However, they were slow to make money quickly. One of the big reasons being is I had a small account. I didn't have $500,000 in the account. And that meant that I, uh, I couldn't afford to sell options contracts that would rapidly, like really rapidly, like, like a one-to-one -one delta, $100 per point. I couldn't afford to get those positions. What I could afford to do was I could afford to get the same delta by buying for very short periods of time, like just one day or, or up to three days, maybe a week tops, um, options that would expire in two weeks. I would buy them, buying calls and puts when I felt that a, uh, a stock was going to move in a specific direction. And I would figure that out quite often through chart analysis and then obviously watching news obsessively. But the, the trick there was if you bought something that was going to expire in a few days or a few weeks, the theta was really high. So it was losing a lot of value every day that time decay. However, the delta was still good. So you could get a, a, uh, an options contract close to what the underlying stock price was, which gave you a better delta for way less money than if you were buying like a 45 day contract, you just had to be right. And that's what a lot of people playing the options game do. And that's also how they lose a lot of money because you have to be right within days. And as a trader or as a speculator, you're often right on globally what's going to happen with a company or a position. But the market and the world has a, a real knack for throwing a wrench in how you think that timing is going to play out. Just like Kanye West always says he's going to have release dates for his albums and then they don't come out for six months afterwards and he keeps posting release dates. It's not that the album never comes out. It comes out. But if you were hosting a listening party on that first initial release date he gave you, uh, your guests would show up and there'd be no music to listen to. And that's what happens all of the time with options trading. So somebody will get in a position with a short-term call, like they buy a, a one-week call, and uh, that's a long position hoping the stock's going to go up. They buy the call. It starts initially going their way, and then somebody tweets some fake news about the company, and a bunch of idiots believe it, and it sells off $10. And you're like, oh man, I just lost so much money on this position, I got to close it and try and get into something that's going to be good. And then the day after you close the position, because there was so much data decay, there was no way it was going to work out, it comes out that the fake news was fake, and they're making a great acquisition, and they're making a lot of money, and all of a sudden, the stock goes exactly where you thought it would, and then some but you don't have a position there because you had a short-term option that you had bought and you had to close it. The person who had that, who had sold the position and was just collecting theta decay and held it a longer contract, that person ended up making a bunch of money on that day because they were in no hurry to close the contract because they were actually benefiting from that theta getting higher and higher and higher. What you're going to find if you take trading seriously is that probably more often than not, if your account is big enough, it's better to just buy stock. Then you're in no rush and you're in no real risk if the company is good. That doesn't necessarily play out if you're someone who is like an analytical trader and you're just looking at charts, right? 
Like for instance, I spent a couple of years doing a lot of chart trading. And a lot of times I didn't care if a company was going to be good. I cared if a company followed its chart patterns and I was happy to make money off of getting short or betting that a stock value was going to go down versus getting long. I found it easier to do math and draw lines on charts than it was to understand how a bunch of companies worked and uh, be able to have a, a good idea of how that was going to play out. What happened though over time is I, I got lucky and was able to keep trading and keep studying. And, uh, you know, I, I started having a, a cool girlfriend who would watch news with me and stuff like that. And over time, over a few years, I really started accumulating the knowledge to where I had a grasp of certain aspects of the stock market. And for the most part, that grasp has slowly expanded. Nobody's ever going to know it all, but I understand a few sectors of the market pretty well. And I, I feel comfortable managing positions where I'm holding certain, certain companies long-term and just, you know, having dozens, if not a hundred shares of something and just allowing that to grow over time, right? I say a hundred shares because that would be the equivalent of an options contract. And if you can afford those hundred shares, then, you know, for the most part, you're making the exact amount of money that you would with the options. It just takes time. It takes however much time that the stock is going to need to grow. If you, for instance, have some inside information and know something's going to happen, then you can get a lot more uh, exposure, a lot more leverage buying a bunch of options contracts. You know, say you are going to buy, uh, say you want to buy 50 shares of a hundred dollars stock, but you could buy with that same amount of money, you could buy a thousand dollars or a thousand worth of shares in call contracts. And if you know that something's going to happen that week, that's, that's what insider trading is. It's usually done with derivatives. Actually, um, you can make a ton of money using derivatives. You can use a ton of money using, using options. If a market is in pain, shorting companies, getting short positions, buying puts or selling calls allows you to make money while no one in the stock market is making money, while the indexes are losing. So that's another valuable tool that options offer. But what they don't do is they don't increase your probability of making money. What options do uh, versus buying straight stock is they increase your risk. They increase your risk if you're making halfway intelligent trades, right? Like if you put all of your money into buying some dumbass stock that's going to tank because of something you read on the internet, then having bought a call or pardon me, having bought a put for $250 and then, you know, it just turns into nothing when it expires you just lost 250 dollars is a lot better than having bought 10 shares of uh 250 stock that goes down to 10 dollars. then you've lost a lot more money but you really shouldn't be messing with the stock market if you make really bad moves like that you should pay someone else to do it or you should just invest your money in, in an index fund or something like wealthfront or vanguard who can who can put you in a uh a specific fund that'll give you predetermined exposure and they'll take care of the rest. But that is risk that you've got to worry about. So we talked about uh, naked positions, just single calls and puts. We talked about spreads where you're hedging one position against the other. You're buying a call and selling a call or you're buying a put and selling a put. And we talked about iron condors where you, you do a call side and a put side on the same expiration day to just collect theta. The other thing that we uh, want to talk about in terms of practical options trades is, uh, is a calendar trade. And a calendar trade is where you... Uh, You sell a position 
on one date and then buy a position on a date further out. The reason for this is as things get closer, as dates get closer, and, and it's the, what you're doing is you're, you're getting the exact same position. So let's say that it was that $200 strike. And let's say that uh, it was a, the contract was a strike price of $250. So you buy a 30-day expiration, $250. Pardon me. You sell a 30-day expiration, $250 call. And then you buy a 60-day, $250 position call. And as the calendar moves on and the front runner gets closer to expiration, it's losing theta. It's losing value. And because it's losing value, you're getting more profit than the the further out 60-day contract that's losing less theta each day. If things go poorly, then you've hedged yourself. But over time, there's a high probability of you being able to collect the difference between the two positions. Those trades have very little to do with... uh, with directionality, like a stock price going up or down. But they also, um, compared to an iron condor, they don't collect as much theta. So they're a little safer than an iron condor, but for me and my account sizes, when I was trading those things and I don't mess with them anymore, they weren't, the juice wasn't worth the squeeze. I couldn't make as much money. I would rather take the risk of the iron condor where I would be in trouble if a uh, uh, stock price got too high or too low versus just the time trade, the calendar trade. But I would be collecting double theta and you're only collecting uh, one theta spread with the calendar trade. But for some people that matches their risk profile. So I've talked about a lot of terminology and what I would recommend is that if this was interesting to you, that you think back or go back real quick and jot down the stuff you want to learn about and then go to Google or not, not Google, go to YouTube, but also Investopedia if you want to read, that's where Google would probably take you, but go to YouTube and there are a lot of guys who do in-depth discussions of exactly how to put on these different trades and these different options trades. What you want to be careful, though, is not drinking their Kool-Aid if they're selling a product that is encouraging you to trade options. They're going to tell you things are really great ideas, but most of the people who are selling instructionals and tutorials are failed traders. Um, It takes a lot of time to trade, and uh, if they were doing well at trading, they wouldn't have time to be making YouTube videos to teach people stuff. So just because you learned how to put on a position doesn't mean you want to jump in and use that position. Hopefully some of my discussion about when is an appropriate time to use these different positions will help you actually, you know, keep it, keep it in the holster and know when to shoot your shot. In the same vein, I, I recommend, and people never do it, but I recommend people use paper trading, which is a trading simulator. Paper is, is like funny money. Like you would play with uh, you know, fake money and monopoly. And you can use Thinkorswim as an example, as a paper trading program. It's free. And the program will follow all the stocks in the market. It works just like a normal interface, except there's a 10 minute delay. So you can't, uh, so you're not getting real time information. It's close though. You know, it's, it's practically speaking, it's a simulation. If you don't know what's going on in the day, you're not watching the news, then you would never know the difference. And you can practice becoming proficient at putting on these positions such that when it's time, when you see an opportunity, you can go ahead and put on one of those positions. A trade I've done several times. I, I've been doing it for years, but it was something I, I never really saw a whole lot of sense in when I was managing a bunch of different smaller options positions, but a a friend of mine 
turned me back on to it a couple of years ago because it's something he does to hedge against his portfolio. But something I, I have done during the pandemic is short the VIX. So when something goes poorly, the, the VIX is like a volatility index that behaves like a stock. And when the, uh, when the market sells off or things are really scary, the VIX goes up. And so at the, the height of hysteria, what I like to do is I like to, uh, like to buy a put or sell a call on the VIX because inevitably things settle down, right? Like we've had complete pandemonium around the world for the last two years, and yet the stock market's at all-time highs. So each time people said that the sky is falling, the market eventually came back up. And so I just get a, a short position on volatility. And as things come back up, the volatility goes down and I make money. Another thing that I like to do is on companies that I own a bunch of stock in and that I follow well, when they've had several good days in a row or several good weeks, I like to go ahead and sell a put again. Or pardon me, I like to go ahead and and uh, buy a put. The reason is is twofold. One, after a certain run, a lot of a lot of people buying stock on the stock market and that are affecting the stock price are only doing it for short term. Um, huge hedge funds will carry a whole bunch of long term positions, but they're also selling tens of thousands of shares of stock in and out every day. And so, if a stock has had a good run short-term traders are, and people who are fickle or watch CNBC and actually take their stock advice from that, what they'll do is they'll go ahead and take profits. And that profit-taking brings down the stock price really quick. And so I'll go ahead and, and get that short position and I'll buy it because that way when it goes down, that's going to increase volatility and then that's going to increase the value of my stock, right? So I'll buy that put wait for it to come down, let people take profits. As they take profits, I actually make money on the put, even though the stock that I hold loses some value. Sometimes it can even be enough to offset it. And then if you want to get really fancy, you can then go ahead and sell a put to get long. But that would be probably smarter if you're just a pure options trader, because remember, you're always long if you own stock. The only reason to own stock is, well, other than dividends, but the only practical reason to own stock is that you think that the price is going to go up, the value is going to go up. So you're already long. So what you can be doing often if you then go and sell an option to get long on the stock is you're over leveraging yourself when you own a bunch of shares. But when I was a pure options trader because I didn't have enough money to buy a lot of stock, that's what I would do. So even though I would want to be long, I would know that mathematically it wasn't a good it wasn't a good move because there wasn't much money in the vega of the derivative. And so I would wait and wait and wait and then I would short, right? I would I would buy the put which benefits from a spike in vega and then when I sold that put to close out the position, I would then sell another put on a different calendar to take advantage of when the stock started going back up and the volatility would go back down. And then that would allow me to be long and make money on the contraction of that volatility as well as the theta as far as however long that took. Something you might wanna consider right now as the market continues to reach new highs but it's pretty slow and we're probably due for some sort of pullback. You know, things, a lot of stocks like Tesla has been trading sideways between $800 and $600 for a long time now. And you can just net sell iron condors within that channel if you're able to, to swing into a good enough prices. And you're going to want to watch some YouTube videos or study how to do this. But you can just keep making money on these stocks that have been trading sideways. Sometimes in, in uh, my finance blog, I will talk about how I don't expect the stock to move much and how I hope things trade sideways. And I hope they trade sideways because I want the market to be good and I want them to actually um, 
I want the company's underlying value to equal what their price is. I don't want their price to be inflated. But that doesn't mean that there's no way to make money on that. I can I can be fine with something just trading sideways. And and if the, no money's coming in, then then you can put on neutral positions, delta neutral positions, and profit off of that too, with options. I hope that my little spin includes some insights that you wouldn't get from normal sources. I'm going to reinforce though that you should learn how to trade options from normal sources. You should, you know, really do the research. You should read Investopedia. You should read Tasty Works. You should. There's tons of information out there. You got to do the work to understand it. You can't expect to get lucky because even if you do, you're going to get hit in a way that you didn't realize you could get hit because there's a lot more leverage, a lot more exposure, and a lot more risk one-to-one trading options versus stock. So while I hope that I gave some insights into this stuff, don't think that I just gave you the keys to the city. You need to study and then take, take a, you know, whatever I might've helped with and apply that to the knowledge that you get and don't over leverage yourself while you're trading, stay involved, keep studying, pay attention. Uh, don't get freaked out and options can be for the right person, a big help. Hopefully you've seen, though, that for a lot of folks that think they sound interesting because they hear people talking about them, they're way more complicated than you really want to get into. And it's better just to buy stock that you feel good about and just move on. So pick your poison.